appreciate that. Hey, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and bring the word this morning. Is that okay? Would you thank the worship team? Come on. Thank you, Daniel. It's good to have, have, see a bass player up there. Again, would you turn in your Bibles this morning to... Uh, where am I going to have you go? Go to Matthew 26. Matthew 26. And uh, I just have some things on my heart this morning, and I've uh, been really itching to be able to share um, as I've been spending time in the presence of God this morning. I know he wants to say some things, but we, we've had some interesting things that have been going on at the church, and they have to do with prayer. And last week, we began to talk a little bit about prayer. We began to talk about the purpose of prayer, but here's what's been going on is I read a book by Jim Cimbala. He's the pastor of uh, the Brooklyn Tabernacle. And he talked about, he gave their testimony. He talked about how the church grew. And he basically, when he took over Brooklyn Tabernacle, that church was dying. Uh, they were dying a, a slow, terrible death. And there wasn't hardly anybody in there. And when he took over the church, he began to have prayer meetings. That was the very first thing that he did. He said, we began to meet together and just pray. And for, for a while, it was just him, just his family. We know what that feels like. We've done that for many years. Well, then suddenly people began to come to the meeting. And as they were praying, God just began to explode prayer in their church because they, they grabbed on to a reality that had to do with prayer that took them deeper than just making requests of God and just the prayer petition. Don't get me wrong, the prayer petition is an important prayer. You have not because you ask not. So petition is important, but that's not, if, if my wife only came to me when she needs something and needed me to do something and needed me to buy something, I would feel shortchanged in my relationship with my wife. Now she doesn't do that, thank God. My, I married a low maintenance woman, let me tell you. I'm telling you, it's... I'm so blessed. <laughs> but but here, here's my point is that it, they went to a deeper place in prayer. Now their prayer meetings are televised. And if you've ever watched them, they're, they're amazing. They're huge. Just this huge um, event. So here's what was interesting to me is that as we began to pursue as a church, as we begin to pursue him and our relationship with him, then what's happened is now... We have prayer on Monday night. We have prayer on Saturday. We have two options for you to be able to come and pray on, on Sunday morning. We even have a Bible class that teaches you about prayer, a women's Bible class going on on Wednesdays. And I'm looking at stuff going, Lord, what are you doing? Because prayer is important. And here's the reality that I've come to. And it's based on this scripture. I know I had you go to Matthew 26, but I'm just going to reread a scripture that I read to you last week. And it's out of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. It says, we boldly enter heaven's most holy place. We boldly enter heaven's most holy place by the blood of Jesus. That the tabernacle was a picture of heaven that everything that had to do with the tabernacle was a picture of what was already in heaven. In fact, it, it says in Scripture that they patterned, God patterned the tabernacle off after what was in heaven, right? So then when God came down and he saw 
all the detail and they, bought it, they built it according to what he said. He saw that it was good and he said, yeah, I'm going to live there. I'm going to put my presence there because I want to live among my people. When Adam and Eve sinned, there was like this huge wall. Man, if I had, oh man. Okay, wait a minute. Let me get some. All right, Gary, John, can you help me for a minute? Come up here. Come up here. Stand up here on this higher level right here. Come on, guys. Face each other. Now, take a stance like this, and I want you guys to join hands. Come on. Take a stance like this. Jack, come on. Get your feet. Come on, Gary. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. So, so they, yeah. <laughs> so, but here's, so here's, here's what happened. Adam and Eve sinned. And there was a wall of separation that came between him and man. So now here's God saying, I want to talk to you. But because there's now sin has now come into the earth, it separated us from him being able to fellowship with us. Jesus comes and guess what Jesus does now? I'm going to hit your hands and you guys are going to go, whoa. Like, like a powerful force hit your hand, right? No, you got to stay right here. Let's do it again. Come back. Come back. Now, get in the same position. No, I'm sorry. I'm, just your hands. Just your hands. You guys stay put and you kind of swing like a door. You ready? Here we go. One, two. Are you guys going to do it with me? Okay, here we go. And then what happened? Wait, 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 wait. I need one more guy. I, man, I don't have Jacob. Hey, you want to help me out, Ben? Come on, man. Come on. Ben. So, all right, here's Ben. Thank you, Ben. Right up here, man. All right, Ben's standing right here. He's on the other side. God is here. The wall has been broken through from Jesus. Come here, Ben. Come on, man. We won't make it awkward, man. What do we do? We give a hug. Give a hug. Okay, thanks. All right, I know that was really awkward, but, but if I was God, which I'm not, thank God, man, you would come flying through there, and we would, man, it'd be like, oh, fellowship has been restored. Amen? Will you give these guys a hand? Thanks, Ben. I, so so here's, what, here's what's happened. So the wall, Jesus came, he died on the cross, this wall has been broken in two. Now we have full access. We have access to God. I just read it to you in Hebrews 10, 19, that we can boldly enter the most holy place. How? By the blood of Jesus. The finished work of the cross, what it did was it broke the wall. So now you and I can come right into the presence of God. However, you come boldly how? What does boldly mean? Boldness comes from a clear conscience. In God. Jesus died, yes, he took your sin and mine on his body on the cross. Why? Because he loves us? That would be correct, yes. But why else did he take the blood? And what did, did he take the sin on his body? It's so that fellowship could be restored. Relationship could be restored. <clears throat> was it Mandela who spent all those years in prison and he was restored to his wife after all those years? Think about that. Think about all the years that he was in prison, away from his wife. Think about the day that he was restored in relationship. 
to a spouse, what that must have been like for him. I talked last week about Nicole's and my relationship because we wrote letters. We wrote letters for, five, for uh, nine months. That was social media back then. You wrote letters, put a stamp on it, and you mailed it. And then we would, we would correspond back and forth. Later, I began to call. Back then, long distance was not free. I had about a $400 a month phone bill every month. Called one hour, one time a week. Friday night, 10 to 11. That was our, that was our big call. But, and so I really got to know Nicole through letters. I, got to, I, under, I began to see her character. I began to see um, different things that she liked, learn about her, her likes, her dislikes, who she was. You know, but then <clears throat> when I, we started calling, that went to a whole new level because now I'm hearing the, the, the voice and all the different attributes of the voice and, you know, her, her joking around, her teasing, you know, she doesn't have a lot of sarcasm, but what she did have was in there a little. And uh, I, I mean, and, and so now I'm getting to know her at another level. But when that day that I flew to Phoenix and I walked off of the jetway and came through the door and she was standing there and we began to fellowship that whole week, we spent the whole week together, I began to know Nicole at a whole new level. And so I talked last week about the importance of prayer because we know God from the Word of God. Scripture is vital. It's vital. It tells us who, it not only tells us who He is, it's the last will and testament for us. It's our inheritance. So, I mean, there's so much from Scripture that we glean. And we can know God in Scripture, and and the Holy Spirit reveals Him through Scripture, but we know Him more intimately by spending face time with Him, face to face. That's a whole nother level. And so, so I want to read this scripture. Um, let's, if you're there in Matthew 26, hopefully you find it, found it by now. Jesus in the, is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Listen to what it says in verse 36. Then Jesus came to them to a place called, uh, or I'm sorry, came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Everybody say the word watch. Verse 39, he went a little farther, fell down on his face and prayed, saying, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Verse 40, then he came to his disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, what? Could you not watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So there's several, I mean, man, there's several different things in this, but I want to point out a couple of things in particular. Notice, first of all, that Jesus, when he comes back and he finds them asleep, he speaks to Peter. All three of them are asleep. Why is he speaking to Peter? Because Peter is Petra. He's the rock. He said, on this rock of Revelation, on this rock, I will build my church. He's not only talking about the rock of Revelation, he is, but that's not the only thing he's talking about. Peter is going to be the first pastor. This is the leader that Jesus is grooming to take over, to, to build the church on. And so he speaks directly to Peter and he says, what? Could you not watch with me for one hour 
I want to submit something to you. There is something about an hour in prayer. There's something about an hour. Spending an hour in prayer. That a friend of mine, it's actually the, the guy that we traveled with for five years when we were doing missions work. Uh, and his name is Terry. And, and he was telling me, I remember I was asking him about different things that God had put on his heart that he did um, in his ministry. And one of the things was, he said, when I read that scripture, he said, I decided I was going to start praying an hour every day. And he said, I got to tell you, in my own experiences, he said, there's something about an hour. And you know what I discovered when, when I started doing it too, as we were traveling, I started uh, just before we went on the road and started traveling full time. And as I was praying, what I found was there's this place where you go from the toil of prayer, the, where you're trying to focus your attention and try not to have squirrel moments and you're shutting things off and you're trying to, trying to, to get your mind to obey and quit thinking about other things and God, I'm sorry, I'm coming back. And there's a place that you cross that you come out of the toil of prayer and you come over into the fellowship with the Father. Man, imagine the fact that God wants you to come into his presence. That he has given you an open pathway to have conversation with him and have fellowship with him and talk to him directly. That's massive. That's huge. That's huge. There are many people that live in a kingdom um, country and they'll never get to talk to the king of that country. They'll likely never even see him in person. Maybe just on the television or in a newsreel or an interview or something. But you and I have been granted access. Now, it's important when we come boldly, it means we have a clear conscience. It means Jesus has cleansed us, purified us, consecrated us by his blood so that we can come into his presence. But, but make sure that when we come into his presence, we come in honor. We come in reverence. We come in the fear of the Lord. This is important because hypocrisy, he's going to repel. Hypocrisy, he's going to, you guys understand that. Watch. And then, then what did he say? So one hour, one hour in prayer. That's, that's a big deal. Some people tell me, I feel I don't have time to give an hour in prayer. Well, let me ask you a question. What else are you doing instead that's more significant and important in your life than spending time with the king of the universe? Now, I'm not trying to say that, I'm not trying to establish that one hour is the, it needs to be an hour. No, but you need to start somewhere. And it needs to be a focus where we give attention to him, prayer, time. Okay? Not in the midst of doing something else. I, could you, I mean, you husbands, try to take your wife out on a date and watch the game on your phone. See how well that goes. Oh, I'm paying attention. I can hear what you're saying. Well, that went over real big. So, <laughs> I, I, I don't have enough time to get everything done. Here's the good news, is that God is the redeemer of time. 
Do you know there's many times that I've been looking at projects and I've been, I've been going, man, how am I ever going to get that done? But because I took time to honor God and to spend time with him, he got my project done over here and didn't even use me to do it. It's, it's amazing how God can do that because when I honor him, he honors me. Now, let me, let me say something to you that, that really blew me away and I never even saw it because I need to say this. This is really important to say. I'm, I will. Just let me get there. Oh, my Lord. There's so much. I'm going to have to come back. But anyway, um, when the Holy Spirit prompts you to pray, to watch and to pray, Jesus was trying to prepare the disciples by saying, could you not even watch with me and pray for one hour? Could you not even watch with me for one hour? What what is he saying? Let me, let me read to you this. I found this so interesting. It was in this commentary. It was so good. It said, the specific temptation that they were, this is, um, this is the Tyndale New Testament commentary. The specific temptation facing these three disciples was the denial of Jesus. And their failure when the test came was due to their failure um, in sharing in Jesus' preparation. Have you ever taken a test that you weren't ready for? Oh, that's not a pleasant experience, is it? You know, and you don't know the answers, and you're just going, I've totally failed, right? Because you're unprepared. Well, this is, what the, this is what the Holy Spirit does, is the Holy Spirit sometimes is trying to prompt you. You might wake up in the middle of the night, and the Holy Spirit, you can tell, you know, because your spirit is always willing, but your flesh is weak right? And your spirit is being prompted, maybe pulled in a direction. Hey, get up and spend some time in my presence. Hey, get up and and take a moment to pray. And you're like, I got to get up early, God. And maybe you've done what I've done a lot and doze back off. But I begin to to listen to those. In fact, I've shared it many times that that since we've lived here, I've done this I've been up every night ever, ever since I moved to North, Northwest Arkansas. God gets me up every night. And, and I know his voice now. I know that it's him prompting me to get up. And he shares things with me because I'm willing to take some time to do that and to get up and to do that. I, I want to I be prepared. But sometimes I don't know what it's for. I don't know why he's waking me up. Um, back in February on Super Bowl Sunday, the Lord had put it on my heart. We Months before... Nicole and I were having a conversation, and we, I said, honey, I just really feel like the cloud's moving from Jones Center. We were meeting in the Jones Center um, and in the chapel there, and I said, I, I can't put my finger on it. Nothing had happened. There was nothing had changed at the Jones Center at that time. Everything, you know, was rolling right along, seemed, seemed to be going well, and I just said, I just feel like the cloud's moving. I can't explain it, and so I began to just put that to prayer. I called some pastor friends of mine and some other friends, and I said, would you pray with me over this? Because we're in the midst of making a decision, and I don't want to make the wrong decision. I want to go where God wants us to be. <clears throat> we began to look at buildings, and, and we, we would go in and look at the building and go, yeah, this isn't it. And we'd turn around and just walk back out, you know, and and so I didn't know. But on Super Bowl Sunday, the Lord had put it on my heart, and I did not connect the two at all. He put it on my heart. I want you to go and fast and pray for three days. I want you to get away by yourself, fast and pray. I said, okay, well, 
uh, you show me where to go. And then the very next day, a pastor, a local pastor friend of mine said, hey, Phil, he said, I want to let you know I have a cabin I built out in Henrietta. It's on 30 acres. He said it's on this lake, and he owns both sides of this lake area. It's like a, it's like a, a branch that runs this area. He owns both sides, and so there's nobody out there. I mean, it's just, it's very secluded, very private. And I said, well, if that's not confirmation, I don't know what is, you know. And I, so I asked him about some certain dates and he put them down and said, yeah, that'll work. And so I went out to this place and sure enough, there is nothing out here. It's a beautiful little cabin, you know, and it's a beautiful area, lake and everything. And, and I'm not there to fish. I'm there to get in the presence of God. So I, I take my keyboard and I just begin to press into the presence of God. Now, I did have, it did come to my mind, okay, we're praying about um, Jones Center, and what, what, that, what that meant, what God said, that the cloud is moving. And so this was my prayer, Lord, you know what you have in mind for us. And I thank you for revealing it to me. That was it. That was my big ask. And <clears throat> so and I, I went back to just worshiping. I just, honestly, I just went there to get close, to fellowship with him, to grow in my relationship with him. And uh, after three days, it was Wednesday morning, I drove back home, got back home. <clears throat> it, was, it was just a few days later that I had the phone conversation with Pastor Eddie here at Central Christiana. And I just was asking him about the building and how they, not not the building so that we could meet in him, but I was asking him about, how did you, tell me again how you bought the land. Tell me again how you guys built the building. What was the process? What was the time frame? You know, and he began to share the story with me again. And finally, uh, he interrupted me. <clears throat> the next question I had, and he said, Phil, what are you trying to do? So I shared with him. I said, well, we felt like the cloud was moving from Jones Center. And so we're looking at all, every possibility. Does he want us to get land and look at building and, you know, meet temporarily somewhere else and and he said well this is really ironic he said because I was sharing with my wife a while back that if Phil and Nicole or Vision Church ever move from the Jones Center I'm going to offer them our building well I got I teared up <clears throat> and I just went I said Pastor Eddie I, I don't even know what to say I'm I'm in shock right now I said, but I shouldn't be because God knows what he's doing. <clears throat> so why am I sharing this story with you? It's because I want you to use it as a personal testimony that you can point back to and say, God, look at what you did. Look at what you did at Vision Church. Look at what you've done to enable us to be able to have services and save toward a building. And I didn't connect those two. I did not connect. Oh, I didn't go out there with this attitude of, oh, I'm going to go out there, you know, and I'm going to pray hard, and man, God's going to come through with an answer. I, I know there's times, I, but I just honestly went there in sincerity of heart and genuine <clears throat> spirit. God, I just want to spend time with you. I, I want to know you more. I want to be able to hear your voice on a daily basis. I want... <clears throat> And here, God flips this whole thing. And in an instant, redeems the time. I don't have to go out and look at buildings. I don't have to go out and chop and figure out and finagle and toil. And I think sometimes 
<clears throat> as men, especially, we can enjoy the hunt, right? I mean, we're looking for something, you know? My job is to go out and hunt it down and kill it and bring it home, you know? <clears throat> and God is saying, no, I'm going to redeem the time. But, but what we have to do is we have to learn how to get quiet and to get still. It's not easy to do when you're a doer. Because you like to work. One of the, and this is the toil of prayer to me that, that I stepped into that I didn't know how to get through. But once I began to realize that it was about relationship, that God wanted to know me, that he wanted to have a conversation with me, he wanted to speak to me, about things in my life that he cared about every little detail every every little thing that mattered I mean in my relationship with my wife some people have asked us how you know how have you raised your kids the way you have by the grace of God we have listened to the voice of the Holy Spirit we have gone to the Holy Spirit every situation every circumstance we don't run to the phone we run to the throne I don't run to a counselor I run to God God how do I do that? I run to a, I don't run, okay, Nicole's not in here, I, this. I, I don't run to a counselor about my marriage, I run to God. And I ask him, what can I do differently to change this situation? Or, or what, am I not being sensitive? He's there to, he's called the helper for a reason. Yeah, yeah, so these men, they weren't prepared. So we're more susceptible to temptation when we haven't prepared. We haven't watched and prayed. And that's what happened. What happened? When Jesus was taken captive, everybody left. The temptation to deny him was not just Peter. It was everybody. Peter was the leader. Watch and pray. Everybody say watch and pray. Yeah. Let me read this about temptation. I thought this was interesting. Temptation derives its power not so much from the inherent force as from the condition in which it finds us. Unprepared. Mm. The same temptation which overwhelms the drowsy and the prayerless who enter into it is at once repelled by the watchful and prayerful, prayerful who do not. My, uh, my wife, Nicole, is a, she's really good at watching and praying. And when we had um, Rebecca, and she was just a baby, she was a month old, um, she said, uh, I walked by and I heard her praying, and she was praying over Rebecca's spouse. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I mean, she's a month old. I haven't even decided what kind of shotgun I'm going to buy yet. I mean, she's a month old. Why are you praying over her spouse? She said, what better time to pray over her spouse? And I just, and I thought, wow. It took me a couple months to get on, on board with that. And, but I finally did, and we began to pray over her spouse. Well, years later, we're traveling on the road as a family, and, and we go to Tulsa 
first season, we, ha- we traveled with three semi-trucks. So we're unloading and reorganizing and we're washing panels of the tent and we're reorganizing how we load the, the semis. And, <clears throat> and this young man named Josh came out and helped us. Josh had just hired on as an intern at Victory in Tulsa. And I didn't know it at the time. We found this out later. But when Josh hired on at Victory, he said, I, I determined that I was going to take the first two years and not date anybody and just give myself fully to God and to what I was doing for the church. Well, well, I, th- I think it's interesting because he met Becca right then at the same time. Isn't that, isn't that the way the enemy comes? <laughs> well, Becca's not from the enemy, but I mean, whoa, wait a minute. Can we cut that out? See, okay. Wow, that just popped right out there. But anyway... Um, huh, huh. Oh, gosh. So anyway, let me get back. So, so, but, um, but I mean, you know, I mean, opportunity, something that comes to, to encourage you to compromise. And what's interesting to me is two years went by and he still got Rebecca in his phone. And he reached out to Rebecca two years later and they began talking back and forth. And started this long-distance relationship, only it wasn't $400 a month phone calls and licking stamps. It was, you know, through social media, which is wonderful. Wish we would have had that. But, um, and so they began to talk back and forth. Well, she began to learn about Josh's character. But one of the things that stood out to me about Josh was that when he started coming and dating her, you know, showing up at her house, staying, staying a weekend or so, is he didn't just come and pick up Rebecca and take off. I was so impressed that he would hang around and wanted to get to know our family. Wanted to know Zach and wanted to know Nicole and I and Gma and, and who we were and how we function, operated. And, and he developed a, a great relationship, not just with Becca, but with all of us. So much so that I remember the next year, didn't we invite him to come? We invited him to go with us on our yearly trip. We take a yearly trip where we rent a cabin in January. And, uh, and we meet together as a family and we talk about our visions, our goals, our dreams. We talk about what God did. We celebrate. We take communion together. We pray together. And then we go shop. You know, it's a really good time. So I shop, Zach says. I do. I, I got to tell you, I'm, I like to shop. But... <clears throat> Anyway, stop it. Okay, I need to pray. Get, get us back into the spirit here. But, <laughs> I'm teasing. <clears throat> but my point is, is we have a responsibility to watch and to pray. And if we look at prayer as more of a relationship and what God wants to do through it, as opposed to a toiling of You know, I, I'm not saying you're, you're not going to have to push th- through things in your mind. But the outcome is going to be amazing if you'll invest the time. If you'll do what God wants you to do. Is your word lining up with what I'm saying? Is it? I mean, I know it's not. <clears throat> Come on up here, Gary.
So the Lord this morning, stands in the holy place, and he says to you, the veil has been torn, and he asks you to come into this place and to step in. He asks you to let him clothe you. Don't think that the rags that you wear make you righteous. Don't you think that the things that you speak make you holy. Allow me says the Lord, to clothe you, to change you, to become like me. And as you sit in thy presence and you allow me to change you and to fill you and to clothe you, you will see who I've called you to be. I've called you to be my sons. I've called you to be my daughters. I've called you to be my word in the nations. I have called you to be my sons and my daughters. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes all around the room? like some of you have felt <clears throat> unworthy to come into his presence. You're looking at your past, looking at where you've missed it, where you've messed up. But you're not looking at the blood of Jesus and the price he paid for you so that you could come into his presence. Maybe you don't want to go in because there's sin in your life and you need to repent of that. That's a purification process that Jesus can do very quickly. So if you're here and you need to repent of sin or you're, you're here and you're dealing with just shame, guilt, condemnation, that's preventing you from walking past the altar of sacrifice so that you can go into his presence. You, you wind up coming to the cross every time. And God's saying, no, come past the cross. Come into my presence. Come and be with me. Be my child. If that's you, I want to pray for you as well. you, heads bowed, eyes closed all around the room. Please, nobody looking around, nobody moving around just for a moment. If that's you and you say, yeah, would you pray for me? Would you raise your hand all around the room? That's you. Yeah. Anybody else? Anybody else? That's you. Yeah. 
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Let, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. I'm going to ask everyone, would you repeat after me? Let's pray this together this morning. Say this out loud, nice and strong. Say this out loud. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you died on the cross so that I could be restored to fellowship with my Father. I received the price that you paid. I ask you to forgive me for sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I let go of the past. I let go of sin, guilt, shame, and condemnation. And I thank you that I have full access. I have boldness because of the clear conscience that I have because of the finished work of the cross.